Hi, I'm Avin, and this is the Salvation Engine Podcast, where we bring you the message about God's Word, His grace, and His goodness in a simple and direct way. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So please join me as I continue to share the gospel message about Jesus Christ, and let us hear the Word of God together. Hi, my name is Avin and welcome back to the Salvation Engine podcast. You know, recently I had this world-renowned speaker use this example about how we all have pride as a natural tendency and he said, and I paraphrase, first he asked a question and he said, when you take a group photo with others, who is the first person that you look for in the photo? And he said, most likely you. And if you don't like how you look, you'll ask everybody else to take another photo. Huh, yeah, I had to take a moment of reflective repentance on that. We really do this, don't we? We are in the age now where we are conscious of self, of our appearance, to the point of obsession and even exhaustion. So in today's podcast, we pick up from a theme where we started a few weeks back titled Righteousness. And the subject of today is self-righteousness and uh, the subtitle, Save the Cut. May the Lord help us see the areas where we need true repentance and transformation. Now, self-righteousness is one of those topics where we don't want to go there. But like any other touchy subject, we really must go there. Because unless we go there, we cannot save the cut from the burning building. It's a topic that causes us to make an inward check on our soul, just like the topic of pride. It's risky. We might see something we don't like, but we must go there into the burning building at the risk of getting burned so we can save the cut because it's more risky, more costly not to. So see, the traps of pride are all around us. Just like self-righteousness, it's an easy pit to fall into if we are not guarded by truth based on God's word. It's the ditch at both sides of a narrow path. So what is self-righteousness? The self-righteousness we are talking about here today is that which is in opposition to the established and free gift of righteousness found in Jesus Christ. It's a mindset or set of beliefs that says, I've got this better than you and my way is the right way and if you don't do it my way you're doing it wrong and religion likes to add and God's not happy with you. To clarify I'm not talking about those whom God has placed as authority over us to guide us to teach us and correct us. It's a whole other set of different problems if we're not listening to God's established authority at home at work at church in governments etc. Later on, we'll look at how Jesus describes self-righteousness from scripture. Now, what about pride? Is that the same thing? You know, amongst other things, I believe that one of the clear differentiators between pride and self-righteousness is that unlike pride, which we can deal with on an individual basis, depending on our willingness to deal with it, Self-righteousness, on the other hand, can be practiced both at an individual level and within a group. Just like we'll see in the scriptures we're looking at today, um, the group level is far harder to resolve because then we have to go through some sort of 
permissions, if you will, of other people within the group, especially the leaders. If there are any leaders, we have to sort of undo the other codes, so to speak, before we can even get to dealing with self-righteousness. So we have to deal with things like long-standing traditions, people-pleasing tendencies. You know, we don't want to offend the other person. We don't want to offend that other person and so on and so forth. It, it, it requires breaking the mold. What will people think of me if I decide to be different from the group, from the status quo? And so similarly, in order to deal with um, or understand self-righteousness correctly, we have to allow ourselves to step outside of groupthink. We have to be willing to look at a different side of things, to look at new information, to be open, to make considerations. You know, we might have to kill a few sacred cows things we hold dearly to, things we think are of some value or, or praise. And I'm reminded of what Jesus says in the book of Luke chapter 16 and verse 15. And he says, um, for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Let's go back to our scripture for this series from the book of Philippians chapter 3. And this is where Paul writes, he writes out all his qualifiers and the accolades of his time. And then he drops all of them with this one premise and to be found in him. This is what he says in the book of Philippians chapter three, verses four to nine. He says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, this I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a, a right, my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Paul is saying, hey, hey guys, hey, I was the poster boy for righteousness according to the law, based on my own achievements and my own effort. No one had it right better than I did, you know, a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there was ever one. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without a fault. I once thought these things were valuable, and though these things, I, I thought these things gave me right standing before God, but now, but now I consider them worthless because of what? Because of Jesus. So in, in our day now, we'd be looking at things like, you know, my ability to recite the entire King James Version in one sitting, my degree in psychology, my ability to speak all languages of the seven seas. No, all of it worthless, of no value. Based on what? Based on what Jesus has done. For his sake, I count it all garbage, rubbish. Another version says dung. I no longer count or rely on my own righteousness, which is from doing all these, these great and admired achievements. No, 
neither on my ability to perfectly keep the law, no, but rather that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So in this scripture, you know, Paul may have fallen off his proverbial high horse in the book of Acts on his way to Damascus to murder some Christians, but this right here is his declaration in words that we can understand of a similar spiritual experience. It's the end of one's self, a place we must all come to one way or another if we are truly to be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own, but one that is based on Christ Jesus. So, okay. Okay, Paul, but hang on. Wait a minute. You are renouncing your pedigree, your righteousness as a Pharisee. But didn't Jesus say that except our righteousness exceed that of the Pharisee, we shall not enter the kingdom of heaven? The book of Matthew chapter 5 and verses 20, Jesus says, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. So what are we looking at here? Which is it? Is, is Paul's renouncing of his righteousness based on his Hebrew roots in opposition with Jesus' words? The answer is no. And let's turn to scripture to find the answers. Let us take a look at Jesus' teachings from the book of Matthew and chapter 23 on the scribes and the teachers of the law and he says he starts off by warning against hypocrisy he says the teachers of the law and the pharisees do not do what they tell others to do and they do not practice what they preach i can only picture jesus's tone of voice here as he says this it can't be anything short of stun because as we know jesus teaches us in the book of matthew chapter 11 and verses 30 that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So what are these burdens that the Pharisees are placing on the people? One of them would be the weight of the law and the rule keeping mentioned by Paul in the verse we just read, Philippians chapter 3. So Jesus is defining hypocrisy here. Let's take a look at verse 5. He says, everything they do is to be seen by men. They have a concern for outward appearance, doing things for people to see. It's getting hot in here. I can feel the flame, but we must go in and save that card. You know, I wondered, can one really be on social media if it's not to be seen by men? Oops. Okay, before we run off, I, I think there are two possibilities, in my opinion, of what motivates us, but both need to be handled really delicately. And if one is to be you know, one is to be seen by men. Look at me. I am the best at what I do. My cut's cuter than your cut. And the other possibility, I think, is, I believe, is for people to see Jesus or God's goodness. Now, of course, there are other reasons why we're on social media, like for a good cause, etc., etc. But I think we must evaluate our motives predominantly based on these two reasonings. To be seen by people or to promote the goodness of God. Let's get this cut out of the burning house. So Jesus goes on to say in verses um, 67, They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. So it looks like these scribes and teachers of the law demand or enjoy honor and respect titles to be addressed or ranked highly, you know, 
And you'll have to go and read the whole of Matthew 23 to get the full context about what Jesus is teaching here. What one Bible version calls the six wars on the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. In verse 13, he says, Woe unto them, because they shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, and they themselves do not enter, nor will they let those who are trying to. Oh, oh my. It looks like the Pharisees have set standards for people to join the club in courts, if you will. And yet they themselves are totally missing it, according to Jesus. So what's going on here? Let's take a look at verse 23. What to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you pay tithe of mint and anise, or dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So Jesus calls justice and mercy and faith the weightier matters of the law, things closer to God's heart, and not simply things like the dutiful payment of tithes that these Pharisees were placing an emphasis on. But what about us? What, what, what things are we placing greater emphasis on in neglect of the weightier matters? For example, I'm reminded of the book of um, 1 Timothy in chapter 4 where Paul writes that, we should not neglect the public reading and teaching of scriptures. But is this what we enjoy most to do when we come together? Or are we more concerned about, you know, other social activities? Yes, it's hot in here, but let's keep going. We need to get that card. What about, do not neglect the gift that's on you. You know, we, we've all been given gifts by God. Are we using our gifts and talents in in the service of God in one way, some way or another. These weightier matters are all across scripture. Justice, mercy, faith. More importantly, Jesus is speaking to them about love, which is more of an inward expression than an outward one. The greatest commandment is love. This commandment sums up the whole law and the prophets. But what about verses 25 to 28 of Matthew chapter 23? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. And woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Again, we see Jesus re-emphasize where we started in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 23. Everything they do is to be seen by men. So they have a concern for outward appearance, doing things for people to see appearing clean only on the outside it's just like how we lift our hands to praise god and then we go back home and we're rude with our family members oops you know or how we exit the church building with a smile and then just as you're pulling out your car someone's not getting out of, the, of your way so you may yell something or two here whoops or when we post you know a scripture on social media and using the same phone you gossip about a friend whose post you just liked Okay, enough about that. You know, I told you saving the cut was hard. But above all that, above all that, what Jesus is addressing here that is far worse 
It is that holier-than-thou attitude in the name of religion possessed by the religious leaders of the day, the scribes and the Pharisees, especially in their denial of others' access to God. This is what Jesus is addressing in all accounts of the seven wars in Matthew chapter 23, in the scribes' ability you know, to blocking others from accessing true knowledge about God in the name of them being better than everybody else or there being some sort of religiously righteous thing you need to do in order to be in right standing with God. And yet scripture clearly says that no one is righteous, not even one. So no one could ever fully keep the entire requirement of the law because we have all fallen and we fall, we've fallen short of the glory of God. So when Jesus gives the sermon on the mount, he reveals the true and high standard of the law. Notice he says, do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the list of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice he does not say unless your righteousness is like that of or similar to that of the scribes or the Pharisees. But he says that if your righteousness does not exceed so surpass or be greater than that of the Pharisees, we shall not enter. That is a high standard. But the answer is right there too. In verse 1, Jesus says he did not come to destroy or abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill. So he sets aside the first to establish the second, a new standard. See what Romans chapter 10 verses 4 says. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. This means that in Jesus, all the purpose of the law has been fulfilled. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God, a righteousness that is by faith. We do not nullify the law because of this righteousness by faith, but rather we uphold it just like the book of Romans chapter 3 and verses 31 says, because this new way of love is the fulfillment of the law and love does no harm to a neighbor. When we love others, we are standing in fulfillment of the law. To believe in Jesus is to walk in love, which is an inner working of the heart. As a result, our outward expressions become adjusted to match the love inside of us. First clean the inside of the cup and then the out, outside will be clean also. When we love from our heart, the outside of us is clean too. But self-righteousness is sneaky. It's very easy for us to get into a place of wrong zeal. You know, we love God, we love people, but we're still missing it somehow. And how do I mean? Let's take a look at what Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 9 and chapters 10. Let's read from Romans chapter 9 verses 30 to 33. He says, What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, 
pursuing the, the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 to 4, he goes on to say, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, are seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Paul says they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. This is very important, very important for us. Let's see what God says in the book of Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 concerning knowledge. He says, my people perish due to lack of knowledge. Can you imagine just how much sorrow and perishing and heartache one must bear if they somehow think they must pay their own way for their own sins or do something to be made right with God? What a heavy weight that is. And so it's very important that every believer in Jesus grow and possess the knowledge that we have been made righteous on the account of what Jesus has done and nothing else. Things that cause us to fall back into self-righteousness or righteousness by rule-keeping are all around us. This performance attitude may occasionally sneak up on us, you know, to pull us backwards into a works mentality. But we must never be afraid to go into the burning building and save the cart. This may mean renewing our minds to line up with what scripture says, or simply finding a good Jesus-centered teaching that reveals the righteousness which is by faith from first to last. Because friends, the cross was enough. Jesus did it all. The new standard is love. If you haven't believed on Jesus, let today be the day you invite him in. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He has done it all for us on the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all the listeners here today. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of your son, Jesus, and we receive him in our hearts to make us whole and righteous in your presence. May our hearts be forever changed to walk in the new way of love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to this message. If you've enjoyed hearing about God's goodness, please make sure to visit our website, www.salvationengine.com, where I share written messages from scripture and other news. In addition, is the Salvation Engine social media pages on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Simply type in Salvation Engine to find us. Have a great week. Until next time, be blessed.